good morning, disciples. Welcome back, and uh, wonderful, wonderful to be together today as we just continue on in the spirit of, I think, what God's up to this morning in our midst. I, that line that we just sang, a miracle can happen now, uh, not because we believe it, not because we've willed it, not because we sang loudest, but because the spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. God, God is here in our midst, and we play host to the goodness and the grace and the presence of God. Like, we get to host him. It's amazing. Like, he's in our house. Get out the good wine. Pour out some perfume, people. Let's throw a party, right? Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Uh, three weeks till anniversary Sunday, November 3rd. It's gonna be good, 10 years to come. Uh, yeah, two of us are excited. This is good. You're not getting tired yet, are you? Don't get tired, people. Don't get tired. The party is yet to come. And uh, you've been given invite cards all throughout the week. So uh, please stop by guest services if you need more of those little business card size or the postcard size. We've got multiples of that. And in your YouVersion app today, there's also, as there has been for a few weeks, there are some images there. Don't forget, I think you can save those images and then you can text them out to a friend or a family member or even somebody in the disciples crew that you don't see next to you today and uh, remind them about Anniversary Sunday. It's going to take all of us to uh, pack this place out and get people here. So I trust that you will be here that day and uh, that your excitement is growing as we gather that day to think on who God is. And I said it before, it would be easy for us to get distracted on a day that big and to celebrate us. Hasn't it been great to be us for 10 years? And it has been great. But that is not what that day is about. We, uh, we gather to lift the name of Jesus high. And we're focusing clearly on a, on a couple movements of the way we've seen God work over the last 10 years. As we've seen God as our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And as we've seen God be our Adonai, our rock and redeemer. And so we'll dive headlong into those expressions and remembering how God has been our provider, remembering how God is our rock and our redeemer. And we're gonna be full of stories that day and celebration and a whole bunch of good stuff. So I, I trust that you'll be with us and celebrate that a, a people who walk in the joy of the redemption of Jesus. A people who stand in the confidence of the Lord their God who is their rock and their redeemer. A people who arrive with gratitude and ever-deepening trust and out of that flow great generosity for who he is. It's going to be a great, a great day. Well, we've delved into already this morning some of that inner life with God, some of who we are with God and who God is. And, and Calvin said so well, I, he said that I say this, I'm not sure I've ever said it uh, like that or that well, um, but this idea that we began with who God is and then because of who he is and because you and I are made in his image, we are image bearers of the most high God. We arrive in his presence and there are things that we declare about him and things that we ask of him and beg for him to move on because we know who he is. And out of who he is, what he does comes. And so we are in turn becoming a people who bring our best for God and for each other. 
uh, I've uh, introduced to us and challenged us over this series to look at our life with God as, and to liken it to a giant mansion that you enter. And within the mansion of God, whether you see that or think of that life with God as that very private inner life that you have, just you and God, or whether you think of it more globally as your interaction together with God's people, both enjoying his presence, engaging in his community, living on his mission. This life with God can be likened to a mansion. And inside that mansion are the people and the places and the experiences that make up our life with God. For some, you uh, have a go-to room. In fact, most of us do in our inner life with God. We kind of have that go-to place where we go to meet with God. For some of you, you enter that mansion of God and you go right to the recording studio, right? Right to the music room, right to wherever the piano is or the guitar is. And it's through music and the enjoyment of music that you experience the goodness and the grace and the power and the intimacy with God. For others, it might be a quite library and you enter this mansion and you want to go, take me to the books, And it's in there you get lost in the thoughts about God, the theology, diving deeply into who God is in thought and prayer. For others, still, maybe it's the kitchen because you know the kitchen in any house is where the people are. That's where the party happens. And you want to be where the party is, where the people are. And you experience God through his people. Of course, like any imagery, it breaks down at some point, but place yourself in there. Maybe for you, it's beneath the quiet stream that flows outside. But for most of us, we have grown all too accustomed to just one or or maybe at best a few sacred spaces in the mansion of God. You've come to love that music room so much that you know it inside and out and you have no use really for the rest of the mansion. You know the spot where you can connect with God and that's beautiful and lovely. But in becoming a people of bring, we are knocking on some doors. We're, we're pushing down a few hallways in this mountain, uh, in this mansion, if you will, of God to see where he might be moving in ways and places that we haven't seen him just yet. It's going to require an intentionality from you and me and from us as a community. It's going to require a selflessness that we lay down the ways in which we know we can get to God quickly and we lay that down because we believe that God would long to take us to a new place because he's a God who's doing a new thing. It's gonna open up doors in that mansion and experiences and opportunities and relationships that we probably never thought were possible. And for some of us, this comes with great, great timing because the rooms you've been hanging out in for a year or six months or 10 years have grown a little tired. Some of the environments in which you've found yourself in, some of the ways of thinking about God, some of the ways of interacting with God have come up a little bit short to answer some of the questions that you find yourself asking right now in these days of your life. As my kids have gotten older, 
Some of the ways in which I prayed for them when they were little has changed considerably from when I pray for them now as they're getting older. I thought that when they got a little bit older, I would get to sleep all night. Now I find myself staying up on the couch till midnight waiting for them to come home. For those of you doing the 3 a.m. feedings, it does get better, I promise, but it doesn't ever change completely. You're still up with your kids. You just now have to find your iPhone to find out if they're on their way home, right? Make sure they're driving the speed limit. (laughs) They're on their way home, but why are they home so quick, you know? Drive slower. Here's one of the things I find. Um, about my inner life with God that um, almost nothing will derail me moving into new places with God, experiencing new beauty of him, having fresh revelation from him, having old words in the scriptures jump off the page in new ways. Nothing will get in the way of any of that quicker than pure, unadulterated foolishness. Nothing gets in the way quicker than just foolishness. You ever sit down to play a video game and look up at the clock and kind of hungry, realize six hours just passed? Foolishness. You ever been walking into Target and thought, you know, I just need to run in and grab a couple things. I need shampoo, we need Q-tips, and you walk out with $150 worth of garbage. How many fruit treats can one family eat? I'll tell you how many, about a thousand. (laughs) Foolishness. Ever done an Amazon lunch? You've heard me talk about those before. You're so stressed out at work or with the kids, you finally get a few minutes. And so you get on Amazon on your smartphone and you fill up a cart with $1,000 worth of stuff you have to have. Hopefully you snap out of it before you hit purchase. Foolishness. Nothing will derail us experiencing new things of God with greater power than foolishness. Just simple foolishness. The Old Testament prophets have a way of painting this picture for us of what it looks like when God's way goes. You see, I'm becoming less and less convinced that the enemy wants to destroy our lives through catastrophic sin. I'm sure he'd love that. And for those of you struggling with that, let's talk through that and let's climb out of that hole that you're in of catastrophic sin. But I I think more than anything, back to the old C.S. Lewis and his screw tape letters and the law of undulations, I think the greatest power, the, the, the greatest tool the enemy uses to get us off mission and get us out of the mansion of God's presence is simply distraction. I can just get you thinking about something else. It doesn't have to be evil just has to keep you out of the mansion of God and roaming down a new hallway. Isaiah chapter 11 foreshadows Jesus when it says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. 
I know that we all believe, whether we aren't following Jesus or whether we are following Jesus, we, we probably all believe that obeying the Lord would be good. That's not the issue. We don't have to convince each other that obeying God is good. What we have to do is get one another as a community to a place where we delight in obeying the Lord where it is no longer drudgery to live the ways of Jesus, it is delight to live the ways of Jesus. Where generosity is our delight, where peace is our delight, where goodness is our delight. Wisdom is this cornerstone of our life with God. And so much so that God gives us an entire book, Proverbs, devoted to what sometimes get thrown away as these little pithy sayings. But it's just rich with wisdom. So much so that God wants to almost personify wisdom. And and don't don't hear me making a a parallel of the personification of wisdom of the incarnation of Christ. Not the same. Okay, very, very different. But, but travel with me for a minute of this picture that all throughout Proverbs, God portrays wisdom as a beautiful woman. She is clothed in grace. She is. And wisdom is painted as almost this person that we interact with. And conversely, the opposite of wisdom, folly. And Proverbs talks all about the woman of folly. Proverbs 9, wisdom will multiply your days and your years, add years to your life. Like, this is a promise, guys. Wisdom will multiply your days. Have you ever seen the picture of the guy on a ladder on top of a picnic table on top of the bed of a truck? And it says, you know, reason 800 why women live longer than men. This is foolishness versus wisdom, Right? you become wise, verse 12, you will be the one to benefit. And if you scorn wisdom, you'll be the one to suffer. One of the things I'm learning as we go through this series, Becoming a People Who Bring, is that all of these ways in which God is encouraging us as a people to be bringers, we are bringing this thing, thinking that we're offering it up to God. But we're bringing this thing because it's in the bringing that we have everything to gain. When it comes to generosity and first fruits giving, you and I have everything to gain by giving our first fruits. It's not like God's sitting up there going, man, I hope they give me an extra five bucks. I'm not sure how I'll make this all work. No, we have everything to gain. Wisdom is just the same multiplies our days. And then the New Testament, James gives us this famous promise, not unlike the one that we get about the giving peace in Malachi 3 of test me in this and see if I will not be faithful. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you and he will not rebuke you for asking. If you've got a Bible, go to a that very book, James, but go to James chapter three. It's where we'll pick up today and spend a few minutes together in a, a pretty practical approach today to engaging in wisdom in a world where wisdom is a bit of a hot topic even this week. 
and diving into that. James chapter three, if you've got a Bible, grab it out. If you're using the YouVersion app, that is an excellent way to interact today. There's actually some additional resources in your YouVersion app today, an article and some other stuff that isn't accessible elsewhere. So grab that YouVersion app and find uh, Disciples Church in your little events tab in the bottom right there. Um, and it, those resources, I think, will serve you well. James chapter three, let's um, pray if we can as we continue. Father, Son, and Spirit, triune God living in perfect community together. Uh, may your wisdom be uh, as near to us as our heartbeat in these moments. And as uh, so many have prayed throughout this day, as so many have led us throughout this day, teach us your ways, O oh Lord, that you would have your way in us and that we would walk in your truth, that we would find delight in obeying your ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. James uh, chapter three, beginning in verse 13. James has just uh, pivoted from another conversation. If you want to go back and read some of it, feel free, certainly. But James has just pivoted in these moments from talking about our tongues and the way we speak and the power that our tongues have. It even talks, it even likens our tongues to like the rudder of a ship, this real small thing that can turn everything there is about us, turn a situation. And certainly gives a rebuke, as James is sort of famous for doing, giving some pretty clear rebukes about the damage that the things that we say can do and the foolishness that comes out of our tongues. As a mere aside, I, or not a total aside, but I find that so often what keeps me from wisdom is not simply foolishness, but what, what precedes foolishness, which is impulse, just impulsive living right? And that's what leads me to foolishness more often than almost anything. Uh, have you guys ever uh, heard of these Frito flavor twists? Frito flavor twists. Are you with me, my man? Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah? Okay, well, then we, we can repent together. Um, because these things are the devil, um, but they are the best thing ever. And they don't, they don't sell these things at Whole Foods, all right? They don't have Frito flavor twists at Whole Foods. They don't have them at Trader Joe's. They only have them at like the shadiest, nastiest gas stations in any given town. And they're only at the checkout counter. And they're this little bag and they're barbecue flavor as if a Frito isn't bad enough for you. They cover it in barbecue flavor. And I tell you what, I eat like three of those and I have heartburn for a month. I feel so sick. The impulse, it's that stuff right at the counter, right? That is just, you impulsively pick up and that's how they make their money. And this is what leads us to foolishness so often and keeps us out of the room of wisdom. And again, this room of wisdom opens up to a myriad of other experiences with God. James has pivoted from the foolish things that we say to now the foolish things that we live. If you are wise, he says, and understand God's ways. I'm in verse 13. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Already he's beginning to invite us into a room that is going to open to other rooms. He wants us to experience wisdom because living in wisdom will lead to good works with the humility 
So we open this door of wisdom in our life. And in that door, we find ourselves now living in the good works and living out humility. You ever wondered, why am I so proud? Why am I so proud? Well, if you haven't wondered it, your spouse probably has. Um, That'll be a fun little lunchtime conversation. (laughs) Verse 14, but if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't, don't, cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Whew, wow. There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This sort of uh, list in succession. I don't know how it strikes you, but it it begins to strike me in a literary way, much like uh, Paul's letter to us in Galatians 5 as he lists off the fruits of the Spirit. You know, for when the Spirit controls our lives, He will develop love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And I I get a a similar picture here. I, I don't think they're exactly the same, but a similar picture of when we live in wisdom, when wisdom is a centerpiece to who we are and not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom of God. So there's gonna have to be some discernment in play because sometimes they look the same and sometimes God's wisdom appears foolish and sometimes the foolishness of this world seems really, really wise. So we have to discern, but the invitation here and the challenge and the reminder is that when wisdom becomes a centerpiece of who we are, it results in these things. Purity, peace loving. This is what we talked about last week. We're walking through doors in the mansion of God and we walk in the door of peace and then we realize, wow, peace now leads us to wisdom. Oh, this is so cool. I've been wanting wisdom all this time and always have been a fool. But all I did was pursue peace and now I seem to be getting wise. Guys, this is how it works. And now as we begin to walk in wisdom, I run out of stage, but we begin to walk in wisdom. We find, well, I I find myself becoming more and more humble. I'm the most humble guy in the room. Probably not that way, right? But this is how it works, friends. We begin to walk through doors in the mansion of God and we go, listen, this room that I have resided in in my inner life with God has served me very well and taken me to where I am, but I mustn't stay here forever. There are other rooms to explore. And as I begin to move into peace and generosity and I begin to then find the room of wisdom and then through wisdom I begin to find humility and these things begin to become who I am. I am. And the ways of Jesus begin to become what Eugene Peterson called unforced rhythms of grace. We don't actually have to think about them much anymore. I know you have friends like this. You sit and you share a meal and, and you leave the meal and you go, 
my goodness, I spent an hour with that person and all they did was speak kindly for an hour. Like they didn't criticize the restaurant. They didn't moan and groan about their spouse. They didn't, they, they were just so good. Like that person is so good. Those are the unforced rhythms of grace being lived out in their life. And you and I, or at least I walk away and get in my car and go, man, I need more of that person in my life because it comes so easy for them. Now, if they were to be privy to my inner conversation, they'd probably say, it didn't always come easy. It didn't always come easy. I, I had to commit myself to intentionality to say, you know what, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be that. I'm not gonna go there. I'm going to enter myself through the door of wisdom and generosity and peace loving. And all of a sudden, 10 years passes and you look back, you go, I am a different person than I once was. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the words we speak to those who have grown in the faith are wise. Our words are different from the wisdom of this world. Our words are different from those of the rulers of this world. These rulers are becoming less and less powerful. Guys, pick your ruler. She, he, it, whatever. Rulers of this world, they are losing power by the minute. It's why they act so crazy. And to the glory of the risen Savior, Jesus, when his people will announce that his kingdom is alive and well, their reduction in power happens even quicker. We're not gonna legislate people into wisdom and goodness. We're gonna adore the name of Jesus and we're gonna lean into the ways of the Father and their power will be made less and less and less. Now we announce, verse seven, God's wisdom. His wisdom is a mystery that has been hidden. Like that pearl of great price Jesus talks about. A pearl hidden in the field. I found it. He went and he sold everything he had so he could buy that field. Verse eight. Of 1 Corinthians 2 says, now none of the rulers of this world even understand God's wisdom. If they had, they would not have nailed the Lord of glory to the cross. James is inviting you and I, he's inviting us to welcome wisdom as the antidote for the very things inside of us that are destroying our developing inner life with God and our external life with each other. Jealousy, selfish ambition, lack of hope, laziness, a lack of mercy, evil deeds, favoritism, insincerity, uh, a leaning towards violence and coercion instead of peace. A lack of righteousness. Verse 17 of James 3. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. 
It's peace-loving, it's gentle at all times, it's willing to yield to others. Willing to yield to others. Not when we have to, but just willing to. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Shows no favoritism, it's always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So the question to ask ourselves in these closing moments, both internally and in the wise counsel through our prayer team and through trusted friends and family, are simple questions of, do I love peace? Am I willing to yield to others? Is my life being led with outward mercy and sincerity and goodness? This is what wisdom is. (laughs) This is how wisdom lives. This is how it's personified in you and I, that it loves peace and it's willing to yield and it leads to outward mercy and sincerity and goodness. I want to invite the band to join me up front as we turn a corner on this morning and take some next steps. And as uh, we prepare for these next moments, uh, pause with me again in prayer, if you would. God, we, uh, we pause in these moments longing to hear from you and Pastor Dan um, and Calvin and others throughout the morning have carefully through, uh, through the leadership of your spirit led us to some good places. Places where we declared in our hearts and with our mouths that we would not leave this place until we encountered you. We would not leave this place until we wrestled some things through with you. Until we encountered your presence in some fresh ways. So speak now, um, God, to us and through us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Some years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, a group of early followers of Jesus began to kind of take center stage in culture. There's some argument as to the time when they were around, but somewhere between about 90 years after Christ's ascension and somewhere in that 200. But long before Constantine ever took control of Rome and made Christian Christianity the national religion, there, there lived this time after the ascension of Christ where people were in some sense looking around culture going, well, how will we live out these ways of Jesus now that Jesus is not here to model them for us? And so this group of people got together and they were uh, later referred to as the Desert Fathers. Uh, Google it if you want to read into that. A beautiful, beautiful group. And they would go away and in silence and solitude and in worship together, they would lean into the ways of Jesus and they would remember the stories of Christ and they would grab hold of whatever letters they could find from Paul or Titus or Timothy or others. And they established a rhythm among them that they they realized that the ways of Jesus were so unnatural to them immediately that they needed to pause multiple times throughout the day to sort of reacclimate themselves around the ways of Jesus. 
Not unlike what we've been doing throughout this whole series of re-acclimatizing ourselves as a people who bring. It is not natural to be a bringing people. What's natural is to care about me and my stuff and take care of my family and save my money and go on my vacation, right? And maybe if there's a little bit left over, I'll buy you an In-N-Out burger. So this reacclimatizing was regular for them. And so morning, noon, and night, and actually sometimes even in the late afternoon, these desert, desert fathers would pause and they would read prayers together. And they weren't totally sure what they were doing. So some of the prayers were prayers that had been prayed for a long time, kind of in hopes of like, these were good enough for back then, they must be good enough for now. I say all that to say this. To live in wisdom is going to be as unnatural to you and me as writing with your offhand. Because the the ways in which you have lived foolishly for so long doesn't even feel foolish anymore. In fact, at times, you and I probably wear it as a badge of honor. I'm the most disorganized person ever. I don't know how I get through the day. What we're really saying there is I'm so gifted I don't have to pay attention to my calendar and I manage to make it all work. See what's embedded in that? See what that is? I don't have to eat good food. I mean, look at me. I'm so thin and trim. We're not talking about me here, right? Uh, But but I don't even have to eat while I eat the worst food imaginable and I still stay skinny. Well, that's, that's actually a little braggadocious, right? It's foolishness. I drive 90 miles an hour, whatever, fill in your blank. The invitation for us is that of wisdom. So in your U version, I've outlined this for you um, in, in fair detail in hopes that maybe you'd hit that little button and save it or screen grab it or text it to yourself or put it in a notepad. But the, the challenge for the week ahead is whatever works for you, whether it's on a phone, uh, in a note on your phone, or whether it's in a journal, maybe you journal or you have something you write on, I wanna challenge you every day this week, and I'm gonna do my level best to do it with you. Every single day this week, let's do this. Let's start our morning by sitting up in bed. And if you're one of those who reaches for their phone first thing in the morning, reach for your phone and go to your note and start your morning by prayer. (laughs) And, And use that morning prayer each morning to Pray for three encounters you know you're going to have this day. Three things you know you're going to encounter. Maybe for you, you're looking at your calendar and you're stuck with meetings and tasks all day you have to accomplish. Or or maybe it's just three places you know you'll be throughout the day. And just pause, not all of them, but just three of them. And just pray and say, God, would you give me wisdom there? Would you give me wisdom here? Would you give me wisdom on that one? I need your wisdom, God. I don't want to do this to my own foolishness and I don't want to do it to my own strength. It's just a simple prayer of asking for wisdom right out of James 1.5. God promises he'll give you the wisdom and he won't rebuke you for asking. So test him in this and see if he won't be faithful. Just three things each day. Maybe your kid's teacher is a monster and you need wisdom on how to deal with him. Maybe you've got a tough client that day and you need wisdom for how to steer the conversation in a positive way. Maybe you've got a a project at work and you don't know how you're going to get it done and you need wisdom. You get the drift. First thing in the morning, we're going to start by praying for wisdom. And then we're going to do a midday Holy Spirit check-in. 
sometime through your midday, set a reminder on your phone, whether it's noon or it's two or whatever, and you're just gonna pause midday and simply ask the Holy Spirit, how's it going with you and me today, Holy Spirit? Am I listening? Am I paying attention to your leading? Because here's what I found in all my years of following Jesus, the Holy Spirit has never led me to foolishness. Never. He only leads to wisdom. That's why I have such trouble at times when we as a people say, well, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this really foolish thing. I go, that ain't the Holy Spirit. That's foolishness. Midday checking. Hey God, how are we doing today? And then finally, evening reflection. And I wanna challenge you in your evening reflection to simply do two things. To, in your evening reflection, write this one down on your little note sheet as you've done all three. So you've started your day in your little note thing, praying for the three things. Just write out what the three things are you ask God for wisdom for on that day. And then midday, what, whatever you heard from the Holy Spirit, it may take five days before you hear anything from it, but midday, Holy Spirit, how are we doing? And write down what you hear from it. And then at the end of the day, we're gonna write two things down. God, here's, here's where I saw your wisdom at work in my life. And God, here's where I acted like a fool today. Nobody has to see it but you. Write it down. And let's do it for seven days. And I think that we will find what is true of almost every piece of spiritual formation in our life, that a little bit of intentional action each day will transform us very quickly. The Holy Spirit sees an opening. He goes, ooh, she wants to change. I'm in. And he begins to change us. Stand to your feet if you would. Spirit, we, uh, we ask you to move in our midst right now. And we invite you to begin the process of transformation. The prayer team is up front. We're gonna worship for a few minutes. And my challenge to you is, is come and do the first of those three prayers you need to do today. Whichever one is gonna be most difficult for you, come work it through with somebody from the prayer team. If for you the hardest thing will be the morning, come to them and say, I'm gonna have a really hard time in the morning starting there. Or come to them and say, I don't even, I wouldn't even know how to check in with the Holy Spirit. Let them pray over that. Maybe it's the evening reflection. I'm so tired at the end of the night. Let them help you with the reflection. The giving station is open and back. Give and give with tremendous generosity, knowing that that will lead you to the door of greater gratitude for God, a deepening trust in his provision in your life, and an enlarged and expanded view of his kingdom work. Know that will happen when you go to generous. Go to that station and give generously. Let's worship. Prayer team is here. And uh, Ashley will be up to wrap us up at the end.